has dealt the market another blow, stating that data has come in stronger than expected and interest rates are likely to be higher than anticipated. Listen to a hawkish Powell at the latest conference. Although inflation has been moderating in recent months, the process of getting inflation back down to 2% has a long way to go and is likely to be bumpy. As I mentioned, the latest economic data have come in stronger than expected which suggests that the ultimate level of interest rates is likely to be, to be higher than previously anticipated. If the totality of the data were to indicate <clears throat> that faster tightening is warranted, we'd be prepared to increase the pace of rate hikes. Listen, to that, last, been... listen to that last sentence here. I think this is one sentence that really, really spooked markets. Let's listen to this again. Indicate <clears throat> that faster tightening is warranted, we'd be prepared to increase the pace of rate hikes. If faster tightening was warranted, they'd be prepared to increase the pace of rate hikes. There was quite a few hawkish undertones and a few hawkish statements that Jerome did make in this conference, which markets reacted very negatively to. And in today's show, I want to get into the reason why markets reacted negatively. Have a look at some of the charts. So go through some of the Bitcoin data, the inflation data that may allude to the next move, and as well, uh, we did get some huge news from the SEC versus Grayscale, uh, which could be a potential market mover for Bitcoin as well. So it was a very, very busy uh, night for Bitcoin and crypto. And I think we are about to see an explosive move uh, in a certain direction, which I'm going to kind of outline my thesis for that um, in a few minutes. But let's talk about exactly what actually went down with Jerome Powell and this conference last night. So obviously, the US uh, tech stocks and much of the NASDAQ did react quite negatively uh, to this news as Jerome Powell kind of came out and essentially reiterated that higher for longer stance that he's been preaching, basically saying that the ultimate rate peak uh, is likely to be higher than expected. And we can see that the market did price this in to the expected target rate probabilities for the next FOMC meeting with now the 500 uh, target rate in BPS now sitting at 70%, whereas previously this was sitting at around 20 to 30%. And a few weeks ago, this was sitting at less than 1%. It's now 70% that we get that 50 BPS hike um, that the market you know, didn't really want to see because obviously that is quite hawkish and it alludes to a 600 uh, BPS target rate at, or at least a higher chance of a 600 BPS target rate, which would obviously you know, affect uh, risk assets quite significantly. So this is the major reason why the market uh, has been a bit shaky overnight. Bitcoin managed to hold up okay, although it did drop. But the stock market, um, even though it did reclaim that 4,000 level, has come back below that level and is now currently on key support. So stocks obviously did react negatively to this news and a lot of altcoins um, ended up you know, selling off heavier than Bitcoin due to this uh, increased probability of that 50 BPS. TED Talks Macro, and I need to go onto my actual uh, screen now so you can see the uh, what I'm trying to show you. Um, this was what, what I meant to show. I forgot to put my screen up. So you can see it's the 70% uh, versus the 30% target rate. And Take Talks Macro said the probability of a 50 BPS hike at this month's FOMC meeting has now increased by 40%. According to the market, it's now the more likely scenario. Here are the key points from Powell's speech. Getting inflation to target is likely going to be bumpy. The labor market remains extremely tight. If data were to indicate, we would be prepared to increase the pace 
of rate hikes. So this was really like that one line, that last line that I showed you that spooked markets the most. We do have a lot of major macro events over the next 10 days, a lot of events that could uh, potentially trigger expected volatility. We have employment data coming out. We have inflation data coming out on the 14th. So that's in six days. That's obviously going to be a key date as that's going to dictate um, the probabilities even further for the next rate hike in a couple of weeks. And then we have the PPI data as well. So this, all this data will go a long way towards determining whether we get uh, that 50 BPS hike, but obviously, as we can see, the probability of that occurring now is much, much higher than it was a couple of weeks ago. Now, 70%, as I said, it used to be like less than 1%. So this is significantly increased, and that essentially means um, interest rates are going up. And when interest rates goes up, that is not good for risk assets like crypto. So how does this affect our potential outlook in a little bit of a longer-term sense beyond uh, just the, the rate hikes over the next um, you know, one or two months? Well, futures are now seeing a 53% chance of BPS um, of 50 BPS in March, but actually now a 35% chance that rates go to six plus percent this summer. Now, if you asked us a few weeks ago whether we thought that there was even a chance of a, a six percent interest rate this summer, like most people would have laughed at you because like the the, the probability of that happening was like sub 0.5 percent, but it's now sitting at 35 percent, and these are uh, the probability of this occurring keeps increasing and increasing and increasing. As Kabisi says here, just a month ago, the odds of 50 bps were one percent, and peak rates were expected at 5.25 percent. So we've seen a 75 um, bps increase in the expectation. Uh, in, in terms of how likely um, it is that we hit the 6% mark this summer. So the Fed pivoted from hawkish to more hawkish. Now, in response, we did see two-year treasury yields um, obviously have you know a huge rally because treasury yields, bond yields rise when interest rates increase. Uh, and you know what's very interesting about these bond yields is that if they're kind of trading like shit coins. If we look at the six month chart here, like back in October, um, you know, these were trading at like 3.5%. Even if we go, you know, back back on, on, on year on year, look at the yearly chart, we could see they're trading at 2%. Uh, a few years ago, they were trading at 0.16. So they've gone from 0.16 all the way to 5%. Uh, and when bonds rally, why is this like a negative for crypto? Why is this a negative for stocks? Well, because the um, the kind of incentive to put your money in DeFi protocols and the incentive to chase yield elsewhere in riskier assets is much, much lower when you can get like a similar or better yield in what is considered a safer asset, which is treasury bonds. And I believe this is one of the major reasons why if we look at like DeFi, the total TVLs decreased because back in the bull run, when DeFi was going crazy, the market was essentially starved for yield. So it needed, place, it needed places where it could actually earn yield uh, because there was not really many alternatives. You weren't getting crazy returns in the bond market. You weren't getting crazy, uh, you, you know, returns in in CFDs and that kind of stuff. So the real only place for you to like really get um, yields to earn money on it and combat um, inflationary pressures was like in places like DeFi and obviously risk assets, right? Um, to get the you know capital returns to offset uh, in inflation. But now with Treasury yields increasing. There's kind of much safer options. Like you can literally put your money in this, get a you know five percent yield. When a lot of DeFi yields have now started to um, come down a lot, like the incentive to be in DeFi is just a lot less. So I think this is one of like the major pressures that we're seeing in crypto right now. And maybe it doesn't affect Bitcoin and Ethereum as much because Bitcoin and Ethereum they're kind of treated 
kind of like stocks, like risk assets, tech stocks, uh, whereas DeFi affects um, many of the altcoins because that's more of an altcoin specific factor uh, due to the fact that, you know, many alts uh, prices are closely tied in with their ability to generate yield. So I just thought I'd explain why that might be a bearish thing for DeFi when you see, you know, bonds coming up. But of course, this can reverse and, and I'll talk about a scenario in a few minutes about why it can reverse. But uh, for now, things are looking shaky with uh, the probability of, of extended rate hikes continuing to increase, as we can see outlined by this plot here, um, as well as, you know, in the shorter term, the probability of shorter term rate hikes to increase. So let's look at some of the charts now uh, and, you know, go through the stock market, the dollar, and then, then let's look at Bitcoin. And I'm going to plot out what I think uh, could potentially happen on the Bitcoin chart because there is a key indicator right now that is kind of giving us an idea about where we can go next. And I'd love to tell you that um, it, it's super bullish news, but unfortunately, I can already give you a spoiler. It's not. Um, it doesn't look great, but I'll, I'll get that into... I'll get into that in a second after we do look at the US dollar index, which broke through major resistance at the 105 level. So the dollar did smash through, although it still does have a little bit of resistance here at 106. If we do see the dollar break 106, I don't think this is a good sign because then your next targets are like 108 to 109. And that would be, you know, another three and a half percent rally in the dollar. Now, a three and a half percent rally in the dollar obviously would put you know a lot of pressures on on risk assets with the stock market already looking shaky at its last line of support. So we really don't want to see a continued rally from the dollar. I fear if we do get this 50 BPS hike, um, although it's 67% priced in by the market, it's not fully priced in, we could see the dollar continue to rise even more and that would put more pressure on crypto. So what I guess the bull case for crypto is we don't get this hike. Um, CPI data comes in you know, in a week and it's maybe in line with expectations or slightly better than expectations. And then we see this start to shift a little and 25 BPS comes back into the picture. That would be the bullish scenario for crypto. But right now we kind of have to trade on probabilities. We can't trade on um, absolutes because we just don't know what the um, hike is going to be. So we have to trade in our minds like it is going to be a 50 BPS, prepare for that scenario. And then obviously we can have um, you know, bullish news come through that uh, inflation data is slightly better than expected. And then the market obviously will respond and rally quite strongly to a 25 BPS hike. So that's how I'm viewing things. But as like a probabilistic trader, because I think you always have to be a probabilistic trader, you can't always trade in absolutes. We have to kind of um, take, I think, the bear case into consideration. First, it's important to protect capital, more important th than it is to make money, right? Sometimes um, protecting capital uh, is just much more important than um, trying to chase gains on like a speculative gamble bet because you can take a long here and you can gamble on, on a rally um, on positive CPI data, but that's all it is. It's a gamble. Like it's not a good trade. It's not good risk reward. Um, and, you know, in this market, we want to limit the amount of gambling we do in, in um, pressured environments like what we're seeing at the moment. It's much better to gamble in looser environments because then you can have a little bit more of a cushion uh, if, if you make a bad investment decision or a, mis a trading mistake, the market's a lot more forgiving in, let's say, an uptrend than it is in like this sideways choppy market, which is admittedly like much more difficult to trade. Um, Joby says in the end, none of this will matter. Stay the course fam. Yeah, 100%. Uh, long term, this like, doesn't really change much. Um, and, you know, in the second half of the show, I'll talk more broadly about like what I'm doing long term. I'm just starting the show with more of a short term update on the markets to give you guys a bit of clarity over the next one to two weeks. So yeah, you've got to always keep in mind context when it comes to videos like this. It's not always uh, do more gloom, like crypto's dead forever. No, it's more just so like, let's just be careful in the short term. Let's look at what the market's telling us in the short term. 
um, and let's you know update you guys on what actually is occurring. Since I stream every day, I have the luxury of doing that. If I was doing one video a week, um, you know, I might trade on like a slightly higher time frame. But I'm here every day, so you guys will get my update as things evolve. And I think that's the beauty of um, this market, although it's a bit stressful sometimes. At least we finally have like things happening. On the, I mean, the weekend was a little bit boring in terms of price action and wasn't giving us much um, to trade with. So that's what happened with the dollar. The dollar rallied. And in response, we did see the stock market drop. We saw the NASDAQ drop um, more sharply than the uh, SPY. Obviously, the, the NASDAQ is tracking um, risk assets, so like tech stocks. So we did see some of these drop uh, quite sharply. I mean, Apple down 1.6, Google, Microsoft like down in the you know 150 uh, BPS range and then we also saw uh the S&P start to drop below its 4000 level and it's now um on critical support at 3980 and I say this is critical support um because this is the diagonal level that is likely going to match up with the 200 MA on the 4 hourly so if you start to flip these levels um obviously we have just broken through the horizontal range but if you start to flip this level and break through the uh 200 MA then that you know is an indicator to me that we're coming down to the next level of support which is 3780 that's quite far away that's going to result in bitcoin going to 20k um so that is something you don't want to see happen for the bulls you definitely want to see uh the stock market bouncing off support here and bouncing off the 200 ma obviously it would help if we got good inflation data for that to be the case but you always have to keep the bear case in mind that uh this can actually shoot through if we get the 50 bps uh, if the market reacts negatively and overall the stock market is not looking great the reason i say this is because we're kind of in a downtrend like you can't look at this and and lie to me and say this looks bullish because just look at this lower high lower high lower high lower high i mean there's no sign anywhere that that the that the stock market has bullish momentum it would need to flip 4172 for me to be like all right stock market's back on um you know you know we're back that is the bullish scenario for stocks um a flip of 4150 until then this is bearish i'm sorry it just is um especially with us coming so close to testing this 200 ma like if that breaks then that's kind of lights out in the short term right and I don't mean to scare anyone. I'm just saying like, you have to just look at the charts and what the charts are telling you. The charts will give you all the momentum you could possibly need or, or want in the market. And um, I mean, it's just very, very clear that we have a, a bearish trend playing out here on stocks. And as long as there's a bearish trend playing out on stocks, there's going to be like difficulties in the crypto market since they're so correlated. So that's what I'm seeing in the S&P. Of course, you know, reclamation of that 51... 4150 level um, would be obviously great. But until then, uh, in the shorter term, like let's actually go into that alley. What do we see? What, what do we want to see from stocks? We definitely want to see it reclaim the 4000 level. The 4000 level is just such an important mental level for the S&P that I think, you know, a lot of investors are holding out for a, a reaction around that price. Obviously, we're underneath now. Let's see if we reject and things get worse. But um, you would want to see the S&P, you know, reclaim 4000 to exhibit some sort of bullish price momentum. Now, let's look at Bitcoin because Bitcoin's kind of not been reacting in tandem with the stock market recently. Of course, the like, correlation has increased over the last couple of days, but in general, it's slightly less correlated than it was like a few months ago. It's for a multitude of reasons, but largely because I think Bitcoin price action nowadays kind of front runs stocks a little bit uh, due to the, the fact that it's like, it is a risk asset, but it's like the ultimate risk asset. That's kind of how crypto is viewed in the eyes of investors. It's like, if you want risk, you go crypto. Um, and that's kind of why Bitcoin tends to front run because when investors panic, we see like crypto sell-offs. Uh, and when investors are like speculating on maybe some good data, we see crypto rallies. Now, right now, 
what I'm seeing from Bitcoin isn't fantastic. Um, and I said said this at the start of the show, I'd show you why it's not fantastic. And the reason is because similarly to the stock market, we are seeing a lower high. So we can we can see the first lower high come in uh, at this level uh, in fe- at, the, at the end of Feb. We can see the next lower high come in on the 2nd of March. And now we can see another lower high being printed. So in terms of the one hourly chart, this doesn't look great. But let's go on to the four hourly um, and we see uh, a different picture. We actually see Bitcoin breaking below this 200 MA. You guys know I love trading on the MAs. And um, the fact that we failed to push above and reclaim the 200 MA on the four hourly as support was a very bad sign. Clearly, we got this first dip. Then we kind of hovered. Bitcoin acted like a stable coin for, for the weekend. Then we obviously bounced off this uh, yellow line, which is the major diagonal support trend, which we're currently on. So technically, Bitcoin is still holding up a general structure. So in terms of like a higher time frame structure, technically, um, Bitcoin has maintained uh, momentum. But in terms of shorter time price structure, Bitcoin has not um, maintained momentum. So it's at a very critical stage right now where Bitcoin really, really needs to hold this level, but it's not really giving it's not really giving me much confidence that it will. Now, this these are my Bitcoin scenarios to make it very, very clear for you. Right now, uh, on the hourly, and if we kind of zoom in a little bit, Bitcoin really needs to break above this range. So, I mean, this could be a, just a clear, a clear bearish trend, uh, getting the kind of fake out to the downside, come up, retest of this key level, and then making a new low. This is kind of where, where the probability lies, in my opinion, um, because this just isn't good price action. Flipping below major support and then retesting major support, usually you do get a, a bearish uh, move after price action like this. So this is something that indicates to me we could actually break this support zone. But let's say we don't, because I'd say it's like roughly 60-40 that we don't. It's not clear cut. Let's say we don't. I see the 23 K level as a clear gravitational force. So I do think if we can reclaim, um, flip above, and then kind of work our way up, I think that this 23K level is an area that we come and test. But for to me, uh, this isn't a zone where we should be getting super bullish. So if, you, if we hit 23K and you kind of want to um, start longing and you start getting FOMO after a, what would it be at that point, like a few percent move, 4% move to the upside, I think that's wrong. I think we have to like set our plans now and say, okay, if we go to 23, we're actually looking at taking profits. We're actually looking at de-risking a little bit. Maybe we even look to short this zone here between 23.3 and 23.5. Uh, and we don't start FOMOing because I think the market has a tendency to um, overreact to price movement. Because if, if the market does something like this, this actually is not bullish at all. It's actually quite bearish unless you get that key flip uh, of 23 and then then you can start to create a path out of it. So the bullish path would be flipping the 23 to 23.3 level, uh, cr- making this previous zone into support, um, and then you know looking to retest range highs. That would be the bullish scenario. But right now, you kind of have to trade, um, in my opinion, or at least like I have a slight bias because of, of, of the pr- recent price action, um, to expect like a rejection of this zone. Uh, I just don't think we quite have the strength yet to break through this zone. Now, there are a few catalysts that would help us. Obviously, CPI uh, coming in um, you know, you know, with some strong data, or I guess what we want to see is inflation coming down. That would be good. Uh, that would maybe mean a 25 BPS. If we get a 25 BPS, then of course, like I think the bull case becomes stronger, but you are going to need some sort of momentum because there are headwinds. There are, there's Shanghai, there's Gox. There's Silvergate. There's now you know the macro picture. There are enough headwinds here to to suggest a strong rejection. 
Um, so you you know you'd want some of those headwinds to dissipate. Primarily the the macro headwind, which is not going to go away. It's going to be here for the next six months as the Fed tries to figure things out. But you know I'm I'm more talking short term in terms of short term plans. That's why we're on the one alley and the four alley. But if you go on the daily chart things start to look you know, a little bit different. The picture is not as grim. It kind of shows more of a range um, you know, and the f- chance of breaking off, uh, bouncing off mid-range is actually you know, fairly strong in my opinion because even if we do break below the support, there is still strong mid-range support at 21.5 and then obviously you've got 20K. But uh, that's kind of your lower price targets if we break down. For now, we need to see how Bitcoin reacts to this zone. So difficult to trade this zone right now, but I think there are definitely going to be short setups at 23.3 or at least profit-taking. You guys know selling is the same as shorting, basically. They're both selling, just one's leverage, one's not. Uh, so, you know, you can look to take profits in that zone, or you can look to, like, long on a retest. So if we do somehow shoot through and then bounce in, then, you know, that would be my confirmation to start longing. But for me, I'm not longing alts until we confirm above 23. That's basically the gist of my plan in terms of short-term price action. I'm not longing here. It doesn't make that much sense, in my opinion, um, just because there are just so many headwinds over the next couple of weeks. I'd prefer to miss out on a 5 to 6% move to the upside than potentially wreck myself and face a 20K Bitcoin. Doesn't make sense for me. Um, and yeah, I'm always going to be honest in the shows with what I'm doing. Doesn't mean you need to do the same, but it just doesn't make much sense. This graph as well, kind of, uh, I don't really look at the 200-week average, but I thought it was interesting. It showed that Bitcoin had... Um, well, is rejecting off the 20, uh, sorry, off the 200 week moving average. Once again, not something I look at much, but it has been like a decent indicator in the past. We can see like Bitcoin rarely touches uh, the, the 200 week. Like we saw it a couple times in 2015, 2016, a couple times in 2018, 2019, once in 2020, and now, you know, twice, once in 2022 and once in 2023, every single time uh, it, it has basically acted as support or resistance. So if you want to like, um, obviously like past indicators aren't necessarily like indicative of what we expect to happen in the future. But if this past indicator is anything to go by, then what we just saw was a little bit of an echo rally, um, with the failure to break 25, but largely like range bound, uh, trader XO has been known for saying, um, for like sticking to this thesis. And I would actually agree with him. Largely, we're just in a range bound environment. Like nothing really has changed until the break of 25 and nothing really has changed until the break of like, um, 16 to 17, of course, you know, mid-range at 21 being that key level as well. So nothing's really changed. We're kind of just in this range. And I think the next thing we have to look out for is how Bitcoin reacts to mid-range because, you know, the bottom of the range is pretty far away and that that's a scary proposition. And I don't expect that to happen anytime soon. But how we react to mid-range here in the, kind of like a tightening sequence is really something I've got my eye on. Ethereum is also something I've got my eye on ahead of the Shanghai upgrade many other altcoins in that basket, which I'm, I'm currently watching, monitoring, trading. Uh, Ethereum, very similar to Bitcoin. Nothing much to kind of update you on in terms of like specific ETH price action. What I will say is, yeah, it looks similar. It's on its own diagonal support. I'd say it's 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 breakdown scenario. Um, instead of 21.5 for BTC, the equivalent for ETH is probably like um, 1,400, which was the previous 2018 all-time high. That's quite a key level to me. Uh, but Ethereum also kind of flirting with its diagonal support, not as strong as Bitcoin. So the yellow line isn't the most important line here. Um, diagonals are always less important than horizontals. So just keep that in mind in terms of the the bounce scenario for ETH. You definitely want to see it bouncing off 1558, but then it's just approaching resistance at 1630, which that's going to be a heavy short zone to come back down. 
So that's something that I can see happening uh, from a bearish perspective. Why am I looking at the bearish perspective? Why am I not looking as much at the bullish perspective? Because, I mean, look at these lower highs. Like you can't, what you expect me like max long here when we're getting lower high, lower high, lower high. Um, of course, I'm happy to flip my thesis. I'm, I'm pretty these days unaffected by market movement in terms of like how I trade. I'll always flip flip scenarios. That's why like a couple of weeks ago, I was saying if we flip 25, I'm like longing quite heavy um, because that's the scenario. that was the scenario. Obviously, we didn't break it, so I didn't long. Uh, and now we're in another scenario where, you know, I, I'm happy to change my thesis if we flip um, into support here at 1620. Same as Bitcoin. If we flip the uh, 23.3 level into support, um, I'm happy to start longing there. I just want to see how the market reacts because until we long that um, on the one hourly, four hourly, we're still in a bearish uh, kind of pattern. I hope that makes sense. Once again, I'm not like a TA expert. I'm just kind of going off um, my charts as well as some other traders' charts. Uh, you know, so to take all this TA stuff with a grain of salt. I'm more into the fundamentals, but I think it's important to provide you guys with some clarity considering you know, there are macro headwinds and a lot happening in the macro um, environment. So in a second, I want to get into something slightly more positive though, because there, there is some positive news that is potentially coming out of um, the courts relating to the SEC Grayscale case. That could be a potential um, bullish catalyst. Uh, but before we get into that, I want to remind you, if you want to trade any of this price action, as I said, it's difficult to trade, but there are some setups, at least for me, the short setup that's starting to look decent. Um, you can prep by getting an OKX account using the link in the description. There's a $10,000 uh, mystery box giveaway if you sign up. So if you sign up in two steps, sign up, deposit $50 with a fiat or crypto, you don't need to trade you can open a mystery box, which could potentially be worth up to $10,000. Link in the description for that. I know like a lot of you have probably already done it, but I wanted to remind those who haven't already done it that you can sign up and deposit. We also have other exchange links in the description. Like we've got $30,000 deposit bonus for Bybit and $8,000 deposit bonus for BitGet. So there's stuff uh, definitely to get involved with, that's for sure. All right, let's continue. There's a couple... uh, Things relating to risk, I wanted to show you risk in general has been increasing. Risk increasing in uh, in an inflationary rate hike environment is not great. Like that just kind of alludes to me that increased volatility is on the cards. So I just thought this was an interesting graph to show you. Um, when risk increases, that just oftentimes leads to more downside. But, you know, obviously take that with a grain of salt. Just thought it was interesting to see how the market did react to increases in risk. Like 2010, saw a huge increase in risk, market drops. 2012, huge increase in risk, market drops. 2016, same thing. Basically, we've seen it quite a lot. I don't think risk is at a crazy high level. We've seen the most drops happen around six to six and a half. Um, so I think where you know we need to see risk kind of go up another 10 to 15 percent until I'm too worried about like over leverage or, or, you know, over um, an oversubscription to, to risk in terms of how the markets are, are behaving. But I just think it's interesting to kind of monitor this. Uh, and you can look at this on, on Sentiment Trader if you're interested in looking at risk levels. So let's get into, let's see what some of the people are saying in the comments just quickly, because I want to get into the Grayscale SEC news, which is pretty big. Um, someone called me handsome. Thanks, Robin. <laughs> um, someone has an order of 3500 is this for the S&P or f- hopefully not for Ethereum you wouldn't want to be buying Ethereum at um, 3500 
Trueflation shows that inflation is going down. They're very accurate. Yeah, inflation is going down, Joby. It's more about how fast it's going down because if it goes like 6.1, 6, 5.9, 5.8, then it's taking like a year to go down like 100 um, bips, which is like 100 bips in a year. It's like not enough. It's not fast enough. It, that That's basically like four years until inflation is under control. How much pressure does that put into the market over like a four-year period, right? So, like, although, like, the general trend's good because the market will price things in in the future, um, what we don't want to see is, like, stagflation. We don't want to see, like, yeah, inflation stagnate, uh, CPI prints come in slightly higher, and then clearly that's just going to put more pressure on the market. So, I agree. Uh, eventually, we're going to hit some sort of landing. It just depends how soft it is. Right now, I don't know how... I honestly don't think it's looking that soft. Like, that's just my honest thoughts. And that's why I've been saying for months... I'm not buying long. I'm not buying spot long term. Like, I'm I'm not entering long term um, altcoin positions now until we get more clarity. That's basically. I'd rather just pay like a little bit higher prices than FOMO into spot bags. Pretty heavy cash, which is good. I feel comfortable in cash now, to be honest. Um, If you can kind of eradicate market FOMO and just trade a little bit, um, a little bit more like pragmatically, then I think it, it. I think it just bodes to much better market results over time. So right now, I'm just keeping myself kind of entertained with narrative trading, like LSDs. I'll talk about what I'm doing there in a minute. Still, I'm still trading. I'm still buying shit all the time, guys. By the way, still buying some alts. I still buy like some crazy, like um, you know, low caps and all that stuff. I still, I'm still doing that actively, but I'm just not adding to my long term bags because that's a very, very different uh, plan. That's kind of like long term accumulation, DCAing. I'm not doing that kind of stuff. I'm more so doing like shorter term narrative trades, trying to make some money off AI stuff, trying to make some money off LSD stuff, continue to stack cash basically. Like, because there are opportunities in the market short term. I mean, the market just gave us a crap ton, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And I took a lot of those opportunities. Um, I would have liked a bit more if we broke 25, but um, it is what it is. And yeah, I just continue to find ways to stack cash. And long term, those DCAs will come probably later in the year. And I'll let you guys know when I'm doing it, but. Yeah, how I trade is obviously going to be different to how you trade. Powell, Powell turned us all into bears. Yeah, I mean, look, I wouldn't also just take what Powell says for gospel because otherwise you just get chopped up because every time Powell comes out and says something slightly hawkish, you're going to like panic sell or panic short. That's not how you trade. You don't want to trade um, in a reactionary manner. You want to trade preemptively. So like, let's start to preempt a little bit. Um, if we do preempt... Like the picture doesn't look great still because of the increased chance of a uh, 600 um, bips rate, which is 35% now. So I, I'm kind of looking like further into the future, looking months down the line to see ha- maybe how the general market's going to trade because the market always prices things in ahead of time. Uh, all right, so let's get into the SEC grayscale stuff. This is actually kind of bullish, to be honest, and it's maybe one of the catalysts that could like get us out or at least provide like Bitcoin a... Um, bullish catalyst against the macro environment because, I mean, macro's macro. It's obviously going to, going to affect risk assets, but there is uh, Bitcoin-specific, crypto-specific catalyst which can see like crypto. Uh, obviously, the halving is one of them, but um, potentially a spot Bitcoin ETF is, is another another one that can see crypto like out outperform uh, at least against like equities, at least Bitcoin and Ethereum because alts. I mean, they're just so risky comparatively that. Uh, who knows how they're going to perform. It's really like sector specific, but at least Bitcoin and Ethereum, they can have like specific catalysts like Shanghai for ETH, ETH staking. 
Uh, although it does put some supply pressures on, I think overall staking ratios will increase post um, Shanghai. And then also you've got Bitcoin, like uh, potential spot ETF, which is huge news, by the way. So a panel of judges in the District of Columbia Court of Appeals in Washington pressed the SEC on Grayscale's argument that because the regulator previously approved certain surveillance agreements to prevent fraud in Bitcoin futures-based ETFs, the same setup should also be satisfactory for Grayscale's spot fund, since both spot and futures rely on Bitcoin's price. This is what the judge said. It seems like it's fine for an agency, aka the SEC, to say, okay, we need some more information, but it seems like there's quite a bit of information here on how these markets work together, and the SEC has not offered any explanation that the petitioners here are wrong, said Judge Naomi Rayo. So the the kind of court here, the panel of judges, is alluding to the fact that um, Grayscale could actually win their spot um, ETF uh, uh, approval which is huge. Like a spot Bitcoin ETF has been one of the catalysts we've been talking about for quite some time. And Mike Alfred came out and said he believes Grayscale has a, and I don't always agree with what Mike says, by the way, but I agree with this. He says Grayscale has roughly a 70% chance of winning in this appeal. GBDC would have a pathway to convert to NAV and all retail trust holders would become untrapped. 2023 could be big for Bitcoin and Bitcoin derivatives. And if we look at um, GBTC, uh, discount to NAV. I wonder if I can get this data up uh, real quick. This is starting to uh, close in a little bit. So we know over time, this has been at a huge discount with a lot of the DCG grayscale FUD. If they can somehow um, win this spot ETF appeal, which it looks like now they're probably going to, and I say probably because I think it's more than 50% chance, then that could lead them on their path to getting a, redemp a redemption mechanism in to get this back to, to NAV. So let's see what happens here. But we are seeing an uptick. I know Rand did take this trade. I think at like a 50% discount. I think he's probably printing on this. Uh, but yeah, this this kind of discrepancy could start to close a little bit. We can see it's up 10% today if we zoom in, which is quite huge. So that's also good for retail investors too. So let's see what happens with that. Um, Arby says GPTC once again up on the day, whereas BTC ETH fell flat. Oral argument reference below is going well. Judges are questioning the validity of the SEC's arguments against a spot ETF. And that's like basically what they said. They're questioning um, as to, you know, why the SEC hasn't offered an explanation, um, why they're wrong. They, they think that potentially Grayscale's right. So let's see how that plays out. But that's good. It's it's a good development in the, in, in the case. If you want a bullish hopium, I think all you need to do is follow how press. Um, what he says is crypto down on a bunch of FUD. Gox isn't coming for many months. Shanghai is priced in. Voyager nearly done liquidating. Regulatory, worst likely behind us. Meanwhile, we're making real progress towards a BTF ETF, this Bitcoin ETF this summer. When do we start pricing that in? Oh, how? There's a lot to unpack here. Uh, he's kind of right in one way. He's right in the sense that like the market is too FUD driven. It gets too panicky short term over like FUD events. And this like results in some pretty crap trading all around from retail in general. So I, d I don't think like Gox is a reason to FUD. I did a video on this on the weekend. You can watch it. Gives like the whole rundown on, on the mathematical side of Gox. I don't think it's going to affect the market much. I mean, the two biggest creditors there have elected to uh, receive Bitcoin and not cash, which alludes to the fact they're probably not going to sell. Shanghai, I think as well, is probably priced in. I don't think there's much supply to come. It is a supply pressure. But I think it has the it's had the market worried enough to be maybe somewhat priced in, but it's almost impossible to work out to what extent it's priced in. But you know, I will I'll give them the benefit of the doubt here because I think the impact will be not as big as some people think. 
Uh, and the Bitcoin ETF is like a positive thing. I think the only thing Hal's missing here is is the macro picture. And to be honest, all this stuff is secondary to macro. I don't think the market would be 20. I think the market, yeah, it wouldn't be 22.2 if uh, just if like all that stuff were the only headwinds. Because the real headwind here is macro. It's not really big, uh, Gox or Shanghai. Like Gox and Shanghai may have been enough to cause like a little bit of panic on like intraday trading but like in terms of like big market moves it's mainly being dictated by macro not necessarily uh gox and shanghai it's all kind of just like i don't know it, it may not be a nothing burger because gox may genuinely put some like extra supply onto the market that isn't maybe being priced in but it's not this huge like 15 to 17k bitcoin fud event i think some people make it out to be i think like this market is just reacting purely to macro here and that's really why I think we've gotten this sell-off. And that's why I'm I'm pretty uh, hands-off, like going crazy long right now, basically. Um, and once again, happy to take longs on some alts. I'll actually get into three alts that I'm happy to long in a second. But that's more for like shorter-term time frame, smaller percentage trading, uh, long-term spot trading, not so long. Um, but yeah, Nepal says, good morning. Are you still in that 25K short, bro? I remember we we're doing that stream at 25 and I was like, we're like rejecting remember when we were rejecting off it i was like man should i short should i short i was like no nah, i won't short like i was a bit i was a bit tentative because i didn't want to get like wicked out uh, in like a pump to 25.5 and um you, you actually shorted capo so if, if you're still in that short or somewhat of a short for 25 you're printing bro so good good job i should have taken it with you i was a little too hesitant um yeah I don't know. Sometimes I just prefer in crypto to sell spot positions than like actually go like short on perps. Uh, but it's something that I incorporate into my trading strategy a little bit. But for me, I, it's kind of kind of easier sometimes just to trade spot. But there are some like key levels I'm looking at for shorts, like a like a push up to this um, this level. I'm probably gonna have a crack shorting. Just because I think that would be like a nice, um, a nice continuation of this bearish pattern, and it's not nice. Like obviously, long term, I'd much rather Bitcoin pump. I, I would much rather see a 30k Bitcoin than 20k. But like, we have to be realistic here, and we can't let our what we want to affect how we trade. Unfortunately, what I do want is Phantom to break out though, because this is in a clear downtrend, but it also has a very clear invalidation of that downtrend, and that would be the break of this diagonal here. And then you've, you've got a target at this first horizontal, probably TP1, which is only like a 6% move. I say only, that's pretty damn huge. You know, 10x leverage, you, you're making 60%. And then obviously, if it can actually break above this level, then you've got TP2 at like 45 cents. So you've got like significant moves um, potentially to come for Phantom if it breaks out. That would This breakout, by the way, will probably happen in confluence with uh, let's go into a shorter time frame for Bitcoin. Probably happen in confluence with this push-up that could happen, uh, which is Bitcoin reclaiming uh, 23K. That push-up would be what corresponds with Phantom's break to like 45 to 50 cents again. So you really want to watch if Bitcoin can reclaim. Once again, as I said earlier in the show though, like we still have this huge zone um, kind of wall that's being created to get through first. And there's also a chance that we reject even sooner and we don't even get up to 23. So let's see. Uh, I'm just kind of mapping the two scenarios. A, we get rejected now and come down. B, we look at that 23.3 region instead. Uh, even a chance to go to 23.5, which is why I wouldn't use crazy leverage because this is like one big zone. But 
um, you know, you can definitely like ladder in at this level. So yeah, that's kind of what I'm looking at. Those are the two scenarios. Then, you know, we flip that invalidated, we go long again. Sure. Happy to take like the loss there. Um, and maybe, you know, I'll still be in a phantom long, which can, uh, which can, which can kind of hedge a bit of the, the short side. The thing is though, I'm still net long, long term. So like any short, any failed short ends up resulting in things kind of being balanced on on the long on the long spot side anyway so that's phantom uh wait for this breakout we're at key support so let's see what happens not trading until we break out because also a chance we get rejected and then break down and then it's 34 cents for phantom so if bitcoin reject um yeah if bitcoin not technically rejects but breaks down from that uh diagonal as well as that horizontal we outlined earlier then phantom likely breaks down if it pumps this is the trade i'll be taking it's actually probably my favorite alt setup out of the alts for a potential long. Lido as well is another one of, of the setups I like because ETH Shanghai is in April and ETH Shanghai is a bullish catalyst for staking ratios, especially on LSDs because there's a lot of people locked in ETH validators that are going to pull out um, and potentially A, either stake through LSDs or B, new capital, and this is actually the more likely scenario, new capital that comes into the market chooses liquid staking derivatives because now they're more comfortable with that redemption in place because Shanghai is going to allow redemptions off the beacon chain. So I'm still like, out of all the coins in the market, if I had to pick a relative strength trade, it's LSDs. So like if I'm longing alts, it's probably only two sectors I'm longing now, um, LSDs and AI. So if I'm going to play the long scenario, uh, then I'm going to play like the strongest narratives. I don't, I don't want to get caught out in shit that's not going to move. I, I don't think it's necessarily the time to like bet, bet on laggards like the things that lag behind, like those big L1s, like Nia, Cardano, that kind of stuff. Not really my favorite time to bet on breakouts on those coins. I'd rather just be in strength. Where do I see strength? I see it in LSD. So I see it in Lido and Rocket Pool. Frax, I see it in, although the uh, the chart has started to not look great. So we did break down um, below this diagonal. It's, as I said on the Sunday show, there's something we really needed to hold. Didn't hold, but still kind of in a, a rough support zone because the previous wick uh, down to 9.2 was on like the 13th of Feb. We can see it uh, here and now happening again here. So potentially this could be a springboard for a long, then you are going to face more resistance at 9.9. .9. So in terms of fracks, I don't mind like laddering a little bit, uh, either like super low leverage or spot just to kind of trade the LSD narrative. That's going to be like a nice, um, a nice catch if the market pushes upwards because I think these coins are going to outperform. But just be just note that if we do break down, you, you probably want to have your stop at like $9 because then probably 8.2 is that next zone for uh, frack. So if you're going to trade this spot or like leverage, um, and once again, got to be aware of the risk with leverage and I would go very low if you are using leverage, then I would probably, yeah, look to uh, have a stop at around the $9 zone. Still long spot fracks. Going to see what happens. I just, I just generally want to be in LSDs for the next month. Uh, irrespective of the market, I don't like we don't necessarily know 100% what Bitcoin's going to do. So if I want some long exposure to narratives, some exposure to upside, LSDs are good because they pro also probably don't drop as much because they have catalysts. Like you lighter, you do have like this key level it can come down to, and then you you've also got two dollars. Uh, that's a 25% move to the downside, not great, but also probably not as bad as maybe what happens to some other alts which get absolutely smashed. So they're kind of a few that I'm looking at. If you want to trade any of them, spot. You can do so on, on KyberSwap because it's essentially going to aggregate to get you the best rate. So there's a link in the description to KyberSwap. 
And yeah, if you want to trade like any asset on Arbitrum, Polygon, Avalanche, Solana, you can basically just choose your network, enter in the desired token and trade it. It's going to automatically route you to give you um, the the best possible rate. So let's say you're going ETH Lido, we can see it's routing uh, into wrapped ETH through Balancer, then into Lido through Balancer, and then it's going to save you um, money. So basically, yeah, just use KyberSwap if you want to do any swapping on a DEX because it's going to give you the best rates. Let's go through some comments, sharp as usual. I appreciate it. I'm just staying, I'm just trying to like really stay in touch with the market now. Um, really stay in touch with like where the price is moving. I actually had a cool show planned today for like real world assets, but I just thought uh, this update is probably more important because um, I, like we're going to have months to talk about alts we're going to long. We don't necessarily have months to like be prepared for what could happen over the next few months. So I thought I'll just change the show and I'll do that show later. But I mean, that's cool. It's talking about storage and stuff. What are LSDs? Uh, let me give you a video to help you understand this a little bit better. Basically, LSDs are, if you go into Crypto Banter, by the way, all my shows are in a playlist. So if you go to Banter, scroll down, click on Miles' show, where is it here? You'll see all my shows and you'll see the ETH Shanghai show. This one, uh, the second half is talking about LSDs. So it's 19, four, 19 minutes long, but I don't think I start talking about LSDs until maybe, yeah. Um, 12 minutes, I'd say, uh, 13 minutes, I'd say. So like the last three minutes, the last, sorry, six minutes there, I'm going to give you an overview of LSDs. I think I had like another show earlier in the month as well about ETH Shanghai. If you scroll through the players, you'll be able to find it. Just a little bit of a heads up for those guys that want more info on certain topics. Someone said ZK can can run. What did you say? ZK is the next narrative. Uh, yeah, ZK is strong, but that was also kind of um, one that was running on like Polygon ZK EVM hype, Starknet hype, and uh, ZK Sync hype, I think uh, like the ZK Sync mainnet launch slash startnet to starknet token launch are bullish catalysts, but Polygon not really faring so well uh, due to I guess like a bit of fart and also the news that came out around around the fact that they burnt through two hundred million dollars and laid off staff. So I think Polygon being like a major driver of those coins dropping didn't help the narrative. I still think it's stronger. Um, yeah, I, th I still think ZK is stronger than a lot of other sectors. But I think for me, AI and LSDs are still like the two strongest, but I think long-term ZK is definitely where I want to be. Like I've, I'm actively going for a lot of ZK airdrops. I updated you guys on that on my Twitter. I've also done shows on it. Uh, yeah, trying to get a lot of ZK airdrops. There's a lot of cool ZK projects coming out and I'm very, very bullish on ZK tech long-term. Uh, it's just short-term short -term narrative trading versus like long-term trading is like very, very different. So that's just something I'm trying to remember. Crimson says he never pulls out, bro. <laughs> Dylan, what's up? Um, by the way, if you are going to trade on, on a DEX or even a centralized exchange, make sure you use, uh, you got yourself a VPN to stay secure. Still see a lot of people not using VPNs. Right now, I'm not using a VPN um, because I'm streaming and sometimes it messes up. Uh, my streaming, but if you do want to um, use a VPN, you can sign up using the link in the description, and that will essentially give you uh, access to a 59% discount as well as a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you want a money-back guarantee, which is going to essentially allow you to test it for free, then link in the description. You can uh, yeah use that to get your hands on a VPN. Once again, I think it's super important to protect yourself online. I'll go through a few more comments now before I head off. 
So just drop anything you want to know in the description. Interesting stuff happening on G-Trade. You know, it's funny because the perp dexes are still performing really strongly. Like bearish momentum is not necessarily a bad thing for trading volumes. Although what we did see is volume dry up on Bitcoin on the weekend, which did see a bit of a drop off. But uh, funnily enough, Forex is actually like the main um, constituent of trading volume on GNS. So I think things were looking super strong end of Feb. Things have dropped off slightly since. But let's just keep our eye on uh, on the trading volumes here. Fees have also been quite strong. Uh, TVL is still strong. So yeah, looking decent. Um, like GNS, GMX. But yeah, what we didn't... What perp dexes, obviously their fees rely on volume. What they didn't... Well, what they probably didn't want to see is this happen over the weekend, which was like this reduction in volume. Really, really, really boring. Although this uptick was super strong. Uh, obviously to the sell side, but still, I mean, sells, buyers, doesn't matter. Uh, a trade's a trade. You're, you're paying fees either way. So you probably want to see that volume more in this range, this period here, like it was in the end of Feb for super high fees, this period, not so strong. So that's why like mid-Feb, we saw crazy, crazy, crazy um, fees on, on these perp dexes. So for like the perp dex uh, sector to keep performing in terms of like price, but also APRs, then you want to see volume increase. And I do think we're going to get that volatility. So like a bet on, you can almost bet, obviously there's ways to bet on volatility in crypto. Like for example, like CVI has a product that allows you to uh, hold like um, and hedge against volatility. But one way to trade volatility would simply to be having some exposure to perp dexes in some capacity. Maybe it's even just a trade. Uh, because like their fees will increase. So sometimes we, we see perp dexes running versus market dips. Now, huge market dips, they're going to affect like the buy side for a lot of these coins. So it's like not really a true hedge. Something like a, volati a volatility index is like a true hedge. But I think if you are anticipating volatility, GMX, GNS, they can outperform. By the way, there is a GNS trading link in the description. If you want to trade on it, they've got a lot of pairs. They've got, uh, yeah, I mean, basically a shit ton of pairs. A lot of the DeFi alts like Curve, they've even got like Forex, they've got Euro, like USD pairs, uh, basically like a lot of the AI coins and they're listing stuff all the time. They've got also got gold, silver, so they've got a lot of stuff and they're on Arbitrum and Polygon as well. So if you want to trade on, on, a, on a DEX um, instead of a centralized exchange, leverage of course, because you've got KyberSwap for spot. Um, if you want to trade on, on a DEX for leverage then uh gns is a great option there's a link in the description to to gains trade because i know a lot of you guys have money on your metamask and not necessarily in a centralized exchange it allows you to leverage some of that a little bit more easy i think the links yeah in the, in the description here so yeah not many questions coming in so i think i'm gonna end the the, the stream for now that's basically my update I uh, pretty much covered everything I possibly can cover until the next one. It does look nice, doesn't it, Vincent? Someone, people are talking about Galaxy. I don't really know much. I'll check it out quickly. G-A-L. That's Gala. No, I didn't want Gala. Give me Galaxy. Uh, Galaxy, Galaxy, Galaxy. What is this thing? No, MetaMask, go away. 
Build your digital identity and earn. Probably need to look at its white paper a little later. Mission, build infrastructure, power, credential data, Web3 developers, create products at the same time. I totally get the use case. Use case makes sense to me. Collaborative credit, uh, cre credential infrastructure enabling brands to, to engage communities. Yeah, I mean, there's demand for products like this, but then like the, to like, the actual token is something you need to look at because like, there's two stages when you research a project. There's the um, use case side, and then there's the token side, so how the token like affects the the use case, and that's something like that takes a, a lot of research. I won't do it today, but yeah. Is there any news on Chainlink? There was news on Chainlink, uh, Chainlink, uh, Amazon, AWS. There was an AWS partnership. This one, it's quite interesting, uh, which enabled that they're going to allow Chainlink nodes and parameters to be accessed through the AWS Amazon cloud. So basically enterprise users who want to run a secure Chainlink node to provide external resources such as APIs now can uh, directly through AWS using Chainlink. So that's pretty cool. We've also seen VChain partner for their vCarbon initiative with Amazon, which is like basically like a climate like climate initiative. Um, they're obviously like a supply side project that works on like supply chains and supply data. And then you've also got uh, the Avalanche partnership with AWS, which is quite big uh, for them, which was the 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 fact you can like run um, AVAX nodes through AWS as well, so they they can offer a, uh, direct avalanche access through AWS for enterprise clients as well. So that was cool. That was cool. So yeah, definitely like good news for Chainlink. Chainlink's one of the few tokens I, I do like long term. Tokenomics have been iffy. For, for a few reasons, but I think the staking has definitely helped. And I don't know, I'd like to, to, to just see more token utility than just payments, but I think it's coming. I think you got to have a lot of patience with Chainlink. Alrighty, that's it for now. I'll see you tomorrow. I'll give you an update on this stuff if there's a big update. Uh, but until then, we're just going to need to trade and tread pretty carefully. We do have Asian Open happening pretty soon. Market is basically flat ahead of Asian Open. If it was pumping or dumping, I would update you. But just be careful over the next hour or so. If you are a trader, um, you can look at some short-term setups over the next hour or so. So I would, um, yeah, if you're like a day trader, I definitely think it's a good time to be up considering Asia's been leading a lot of the market pumps and dumps. So if you want to stay up, do a bit of trading over the next uh, couple hours, I think that's a good idea. But yeah, we're, we're still flat ahead of the open. So let's see. Last question, 20 before 25. Uh, so Lewis, it's or Louis, it's hard to 100% like answer that question because it's not some, it's not like there's no absolutes here, but I would say 20 is more probable. So it's all about prob probability. It's not really much to do with uh, like what, what I think will happen. And I mean, it's pretty easy to say 20 because we're much closer to 20, right? We're only like a, like a small move. I'll get the exact percentage to get to 20. It's like a 10% move, right? To get to 25, it's a, and obviously it's different going up versus down, but a 12% move. So I think it's easier for us to get to 20, which is why I would say, yeah, 20K. Um, but obviously, you know, it's, it's relatively close considering it's 22, two versus 22, five. So it's like 
much of a muchness, but still, since we're closer to 20, the answer's 20, and since we're showing bearish momentum, the answer's 20. But that's what's, yeah, I mean, it's probably like 55, 45. It's probably like roughly in that range. Actually, I would say, I would actually go probably 60% 20, uh, 6, 60% 20, 40% 25. So I would like trade with, I would trade with my mindset being that we're going to 20, but I wouldn't like have my whole like portfolio wrist on it because it's, it's probabilities, right? doesn't mean it will happen. And yeah, Diego's right. It does depend on the data. CPI data on Friday or next Friday. No, it's in six days. So next Wednesday is super important. All right, I'm going to head off. I hope you guys have a lovely day. Good luck if you are trading the open. There's links in the description if you want to do so with bonuses. Um, and until then, I will see you later. Peace out.